0: You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardo Sports Center studio.
1: gambling gauchos i'm rob bro he's kyle Jacobson. live in the Cardinals sports center studio if you need to gear up for the next texas tech home game get you some texas tech gear maybe a quarter zip with a gambling gauchos logo you can do so at Cardinals sports center it's going to be chilly the next time we're back in lubbock hopefully quarter quarter zip uh i don't know that's two weeks away it's supposed to be in the 70s and 80s this week, so we'll see what happens in two weeks. It could be 90 again, who knows? It was very nice yesterday when Texas Tech beat Houston in Lubbock, so we'll see what it is for the Kansas State game. Anyways, enough weather talk. You can get quarter zips galore at Cardinal Sports Center, especially those gambling gachos quarter zips, and make them yours right outside the loop on Slide Road or. Patrick Mahomes just threw another pick. Or online at (laughs) mycardinalsports.com. Oh, man, what is he doing? Just throwing it right to the defense. Trying to get it to Travis Kelsey. Anyways, Kyle, how you doing?
0: I'm good. Sounds like maybe Mahomes could use another weapon.
1: A couple. uh, At least one more. Rasheed Rice dropping a pass, their draft pick this year. Cadarius uh, Tony catching one, but not doing anything with it. I
0: mean, it seems like they're so good at evaluating wide receiver talent and collecting wide receiver talent that they should hold on to some draft picks. And instead of using them to trade for proven players, they should maybe just draft another McCole, Hardman, Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice.
1: You know, as much as as they've done well drafting offensive line and drafting defense, they have not drafted offensive talent very well.
0: But I was told they have enough weapons, so. Were you? Yes, multiple times and very adamantly. By? By uh, Bill Walton's kid. Oh. (laughs) I said, I'm going to remember that in January that you said they have enough weapons and that they don't need Jonathan Taylor, but they do need a second-round draft pick.
1: They need another receiver. I don't know if they need Jonathan Taylor. I think Isaiah Pacheco is a really good running back.
0: I mean, he's fine, but, like, Jonathan Taylor might be the best running back in the league. Okay. Let's get serious for a second.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: and he's McCaffrey. running against like boxes. we
1: had four touchdowns today.
0: Do what? Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. McCaffrey's good. <laughs> good. I'd probably put McCaffrey ahead of him. Okay. Damn. But like everybody talks, okay, so McCaffrey's a good example. People keep saying, well, Mahomes needs pass catchers. Are you not allowed to throw it to the running back? Like didn't LeVeon Bell have like a hundred receptions one season? Doesn't Christian McCaffrey catch the ball five times a game?
1: Yes, and caught a touchdown today.
0: You can throw the ball to Jonathan Taylor. Or yeah. if you do a good enough job running the ball to Jonathan Taylor, kind of what the running back does more naturally, it ought to probably open things up for your quarterback, tight end, and wide receivers. But have oh, we'll go got by now.
1: lots of uh, Taylor Swift talk here as well. I don't know that we want to get into that. But is I Taylor Swift coming to the Kansas State game? I don't think so. I did hear he invited Travis Kelsey to the Kansas State game, though. So there's that. I don't
0: get the Taylor Swift stuff. I really don't. What do you mean? Like, she's at the Chiefs game, but how do people talk about that for more than one sentence?
1: She's the most famous person in the world right now.
0: Okay. And she's at a football game, and, like, so what? What?
1: I mean, I, I agree, man. It's on the field. We should be focused on the field.
0: We're on the second straight weekend of like nothing but Taylor Swift content. And I just I don't know what more could possibly be said about it. She's at the Chiefs game. She's dating a Chiefs player. Like, what, what else is there to say?
1: Sacked Zach Wilson in the half. Uh, starter says she's the biggest pop star on earth.
0: Yeah, I know that. And so what? She's at a football game.
1: Kyle just wants to focus on ball, man.
0: I mean, when I'm watching ball, yeah. Like, if she's the – if I'm at a Taylor Swift concert, I'm not going to be, like, streaming a Chiefs game on my phone. Doesn't – haven't we had, like, presidents of the United States go to football games before, and it's like, oh, by the way, the president is in a tennis night, and, like, nobody really cares. Didn't Trump
1: go to a, the Hawk Classic? Yeah, I think so. Were we all over Trump at the Seahawks game? No. I don't believe so. But
0: he's not a pop star. He's just, you know, arguably the most powerful person in the world. So
1: Presidents can't sing.
0: Yeah, so who cares? (laughs) All
1: right. Uh, Houston goes down this weekend. Texas Tech getting back in the win column. Uh, Their first real win of the year, I would say, with Tarleton State being the other. Um, Let's get into the game. Uh, Rough start for the defense but a really good second half and then offensively efficient all the way through.
0: Yeah, actually on the rewatch, uh felt better about the defense than I did live, which sounds weird to say because they did give up 28 points in the first half and really only had one stop. Um, I This is one of those things you miss when you're watching the game live in the stadium, but Petros Papadakis said that Tim DeRuiter – told the Fox Sports crew that they wanted to have Donovan hold on to the ball as long as possible, and they thought that was going to kind of propel him to make some mistakes. But ultimately what that wound up looking like in practice was you're asking freshman Ben Roberts, freshman Mike Dingle, freshman Chapman Lewis, who was filling in for an injured Deidre Taylor Demerson, to cover for four, five, six seconds at a time, and that's tough for anybody to do. And I feel like when they switched things up a little bit at halftime, the pass rush never got – it never became super effective. But it seemed like for the first time all game, Donovan Smith was uncomfortable, was a little bit hurried, and he forced him into some bad throws that just weren't happening in the first half. So I think they came in with a a decent game plan that that could have worked, um, but it wasn't, and they changed things up and held him scoreless in the second half. So I – I didn't see a bunch of guys out of position. They were on the on the long man jack touchdown catch and run.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of blank space there.
0: Yeah, it looked like two guys were passing them off passing him off to nobody and but other than that, I mean it was a lot of missed tackles, which is something they talked about. And he said, you know, I think Jeruder said after the game, you know, we didn't make these huge sweeping changes, we just tackled better. So yeah, I, I came away from it in the first half I was like, you know, Where's the defense that has been there all year that's looked really tough? And on the rewatch it made me feel a little bit better about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you just gotta shake it off after that first half and move on to the second. Stop. <laughs> uh I did I did think the tackling was bad in the first half. The tackling was much better. If, if there was broad adjustments made, you could certainly see those, but you just tackled better in the second half. That flat out 10-yard gains were 20-yard gains in the first half. Five-yard gains were five-yard gains there in the first or the second.
0: Yeah, I think they're starting running back. A true freshman, he beat out the West Virginia transfer, Mathis. Or it seems like he's beating him out. I thought he was good. I mean, he – like I said, a lot of times we weren't out of position. We had good run fits. And he just broke a lot of tackles and then got to the second level and turned those into some good runs. And we've been really good against – opposing running backs all season. I I think in all the FBS games we've played that the quarterback averaged more yards per carry than the running back because we were so bad at containment, which was also an issue in the first half with with Donovan. Um, So he was kind of the first running back that I felt like really got to you a decent amount. And so, yeah, he had five and a half yards per carry, only 13 touches, but I thought he looked good when he – when he ran it, Donovan had 6.4, but uh, like even Oregon's running backs, I think were under five yards per carry. I think Wyoming's were three yards per carry. Again, it was always usually the quarterback kind of making some back breaking scramble on third down or something that has killed us defending the run. So anyway, they were kind of the first team to have some success handing the ball off, which is maybe a concern going forward. But like you said, I think a lot of it just comes down to tackling better.
1: And this is the first game where I really had some issues with some of the scheme of Druder in the first half. Uh, Joseph Adairi is playing corner on a couple of plays. They used to do that with DeMarcus Ware and the Cowboys defense, just having him out on a, like if the running backs way out wide, you have the edge rusher manned up on him. Um, I understand some of that, but then you're rushing three. And then you also had Adairi playing middle linebacker a couple of times because he was the spy so you lined him up in the middle instead of just on the edge just put him on the edge and have both guys play contain like i, I don't know why because dataray data didn't get to the edge and donovan smith got around him so the, the spy didn't work so there was a couple of little things like that uh starter mentions donovan did have some bad blood for not uh, getting the starting job and I, I understand that we know that all too well
0: the uh the first drive You know, there was all this touchy-feely crap before the game about, you know, how there was no animosity and all this stuff. Did you see on the first drive, so it was a play where he was, like, rolling out to his right, completed a pass, and talked some noise to the Tech sideline. And, of course, they finished the drive. They scored a touchdown. And on another play where he's rolling out to his right, improvising, throws a touchdown pass, talks some more noise to the Texas Tech sideline, Gets back to the Houston sideline, talks some noise to the student section. I was like, I don't think he is treating this like some happy-go-lucky homecoming where, you know, it's just good to be back in Lubbock and see my old friends and family. Uh, he was like ready to let us have it, and he played a really good first half. And it's funny, like I guess how, how quickly competitors can flip a switch like that. Because right after the game, then he's like hugging his teammates and taking pictures with his old teammates. Uh, but when I saw that, I was like, all right, Donovan, like, chill out a little bit, you know. We were all going to be, you know, happy to see you and stuff and supportive when you're not playing us, and now he's talking a bunch of noise. So then that made me want to beat him really badly.
1: Yeah, and I thought he I thought he played a near-perfect first half. I mean, he dropped a couple of balls into buckets. We'll talk about those as we go through the drive chart. But uh, he had some really, really good throws in the first half. And that we've seen that. We've seen him be good. And we've also seen him be bad, and he he wasn't really bad ever in this game. There were a couple of misses in the second half that he didn't have in the first, but he played a pretty good game all the way through, I thought.
0: I thought he looked better than we ever saw him look in a Tech uniform, which is, like, so typical. I knew that was going to happen.
1: Yeah, aside from maybe the Texas game. That was probably his best game, a full game, as a Red Raider. But he didn't. He was that 12-play drive in the first. He was just dropping them all over the place.
0: Well, and, like, there came a point where we were playing with a deep safety 20 yards off the ball, and I was sitting with Jackson, and I was like, why do we have a deep safety? Like, Donovan can't throw a deep ball. And then the one play we roll everybody down near the line of scrimmage is when their slot receiver cooks Rashad Williams, and he just throws a dime. I mean, it's it's an easy read when they're in, like, press man like that, and you've got to – a route dialed up like that, but I was like, I, I never saw Donovan throw one 45 yards down the field like that and just drop it. No, You know, like he had, he was pretty good in some of those intermediate passes and same with his running. I always thought he was overrated as a runner when he was here. I was like, he he has no sense when the pocket is about to collapse when he could, you know, use his legs to get a first down. He doesn't really make anybody miss or break a lot of tackles. He can kind of get an extra yard at the end of a carry because he's big. And then, of course, he's like escaping sacks left and right, stiff-arming Bryce Ramirez, who's a big dude, making guys miss. I was like, where was this when you started seven or eight games for us over the last two years?
1: Yeah, and he absolutely shook off a data ray around the edge, too. A yeah. It's just like, who is this guy? Yeah. Like, a data ray's a pretty sure tackler, and he just shook him off.
0: <laughs> I was, It was just so typical. I, I had a bad feeling that was going to happen. I was like, yeah. he's going to come in here and play the game of his life. Um, and because even like Houston fans, we talked to them on Gauchos after Dark a couple Saturdays ago and I was like hey, what's the fan sentiment toward Donovan? He was like asking when basketball season started.
1: Yeah zero zero shot clock in the pocket. Yeah, he was saying all the things we ever said about him and then none of those issues against Texas Tech. Yep, It's just funny. Uh, a couple of comments here. Bryce Ramirez held his own at linebacker. Uh, Houston knew we were trouble when they walked in. Uh, I asked this last week, but is Steve Linton now officially just a specialist rusher? Yeah, he's just going to be a third down pass rusher. I think. I mean, a data ray has gotten most of the snaps on first and second.
0: If there's a silver line, so I, th- that's one of my big takeaways that has been present in all five games, basically, that the pass rush is just completely ineffective. We were told when we previewed Wyoming that they had a left tackle that had the attention of NFL scouts, and he's 6'8", 6'9", like has the build for it. Oregon, we were told, didn't allow a sack to Georgia and didn't allow a sack until like halfway through last season. West Virginia had 120-something career starts, on their offensive line coming into the season. And Houston's Patrick Paul is a, is, he's mocked some places to go in the top 10 of next spring's NFL draft. Is there a chance that maybe the pass rush isn't as bad as we're making it out to be and they just played literal NFL level competition like week in and week out to this point?
1: All right. So I was going to get to this after the game talk, but we can do it right now. The teams you've played are 13 and two outside of your games.
0: With a loss at Penn State and a loss at Texas.
1: Yeah. Oregon's undefeated. Wyoming won again. Wyoming plays ranked Fresno State. Laramie uh, giving up a touchdown nearly uh, at home this weekend. So I don't know. I'm
0: not saying that like everything's hunky-dory and the pass rush is about to come to life. Because we're also sold on the idea that Steve Linton was an NFL player, so if he's going up against other NFL guys, that should be, you know, pretty fifty-fifty. He should get his, and they get theirs. But I don't know. Maybe like if you start, maybe there's a drop-off coming. Is what I'm saying. Like if from Patrick Paul and Wyoming's left tackle and Oregon's offensive line, West Virginia's offensive line, maybe there's a drop-off coming at some point where you play a team where that isn't like a huge strength of theirs. Baylor. Yeah. That, that's that's a good one. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe we'll sort of see that come alive a little bit in the coming weeks.
1: All right, let's get into some uh, gameplay here. Uh, we begged for a run-the-damn-ball game. We got it. Um, two 100-yard rushers. Plenty of daylight for these guys. Uh, what do you think about the game Taj Brooks had and then the change of pace? Uh, needs a hole, but often has one, Cameron Valdez.
0: Doing some quick math. You ran it on 63% of plays. Pretty sure that would put you like top 20 nationally in terms of run play share. And we weren't even necessarily asking for that.
1: Pass attempts. Do what? You had 22 pass attempts.
0: Yeah, you didn't need to throw it any more than that.
1: Yeah, it, that, um, that's not really what we were asking for, but it worked.
0: Well, that also, you ran. 59 plays instead of 95 plays, which is just fine. Like, and some of that was the special teams touchdowns, and we'll talk about that too. But you don't have to run as many plays as possible within a game. And that was something I thought they did. They didn't use tempo all the time, and I've griped about it, and so I'll, I'll give credit where it's due right here. I've griped that we never used tempo and made it seem like we caught the other team off guard or caught them out of position. But against Houston, I saw one probably fake injury. They had to burn a timeout one time because you're about to snap the ball and convert on a third and short to Miles Price. And then you had him out of position. They had like one DB over there. You had two blockers for the sideline route that you're about to throw. And so it it did work in in spots against Houston. That's like, to me, that's how it should look. It should be a tool to use at times. And if, if it's never working, then you shouldn't stick with it. But it was working against Houston. But, yeah, I, I think we had one three and out. I might have to double-check the drive chart. And uh, to their credit, we ran Taj on first down. I think he lost a yard, and then we didn't get the 11. Uh, but, yeah, ran it not only more, but so much more consistently early on in drives, early in the game, and that way you don't have to, like, play catch-up at the very end to make it look like you're balancing out your run-pass figures. And I guess we ran so much with Taj that we needed to spill him and use a change of pace. And so Valdez absolutely made the most of his six carries. But I loved it. Like, that's what I've been pining for since Wyoming was a balanced approach like that that keeps the defense on their heels. You work the run game and pass game off of each other. I thought we did it brilliantly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it was a It was a really well-executed game plan. And you never wavered. Even when Donovan and, and Houston's offense was doing what they were doing, he never wavered. Uh, you made a stop. You got the, the pump block right after the touchdown. Uh, that was beautiful. Um, let's let's do a drive chart run here in the first half. We're getting ahead of ourselves, really. Uh, let's do it real quick. Uh, so Houston starts 12 play, 75-yard drive, six minutes, touchdown. Uh, kickoff return, touchdown. You want to talk about that before we move on?
0: Yeah, when he took it out of the end zone, I was like, what the hell are we doing? And he got (laughs) stuffed at the 12-yard line and then breaks free. And so, look, like if it works, you can't complain about it. And I think he does have the kind of speed where I'm usually against returning any kickoffs unless you have like a Jakeem Grant type guy back there. I don't think McRae is that, but he's had some good kick returns. And so I I guess we're going to keep taking those out. And it, it worked for you there. Jaden York and Drew Hoka had two really great blocks toward the tail end of that run that made it the difference between taking it back for six versus just getting good field position, like about midfield. And so that was great. I mean, it was a sparking, it was kind of a demoralizing start to see your former quarterback take up almost half of the first quarter and just 12 play 75 yards. Like you said, go down to a touchdown pass. Like that stadium was quiet. And then, you know, 30 seconds later, you're back. So Beautiful. thought that was huge in that spot.
1: Uh, Donovan then comes back with a six play 75 yard drive. Uh, this time a touchdown pass to Samuel Brown. Uh, Texas tech responds with a 12 play drive of their own. Uh, Taj Brooks gets, I think two carries Early in the drive and then two carries late in the drive, the last one for a touchdown. Great opening drive for Texas Tech offense. Uh, and I thought Baron Morton looked really composed.
0: He looked a lot more comfortable throughout the game um, in the pocket in terms of not freaking out and also just kind of where to go with the ball, when to get it there on time. And I, I guess let's talk let's talk about the week of the quarterback leading up to this. It was confirmed after the game had kicked off that Morton did not throw a pass all week until warm-ups on Saturday morning, which is – I had a hunch early on in the week and then, like, we were kind of told that he wasn't practicing. I thought there was a really good chance we are going to see Jake Strong. It turns out Jake Strong took 95% of the reps with the ones in practice this week. And I guess the other 5% were, like, emergency quarterback reps – Um. So, anyway, it's kind of funny to see some people. They were like, you know, yeah, Morton looks so much better with like a full week of practice under his belt and repping with the ones. I was like, he didn't get to do that. I mean, he could have. Nope. Taken those quote-unquote mental reps, you know, where he's like still reading the defense, but he's not. He's not playing against them, or, um, you know, going live against the scout team or anything. So that made it all the more impressive. Like, I didn't know if he was going to be able to physically throw. And without a full week of preparation, I didn't know what it was going to look like, especially coming off a game where he barely completed a third of his passes. Um, I think it was fair to kind of worry, even if he was at full strength or had the full week of practice, but he looked comfortable. He didn't have any bad throws. Like I know there were some incompletions, but there were a couple more drops, but he didn't, he didn't have any like near interceptions or just terrible reads where he's thrown into double coverage or anything like that. I know we'll go drive by drive by drive more in depth, but, yeah, like on Saturday morning when I was, like, texting people that were there for warmups, they are like, yeah, he's throwing into the wind. It looks normal. I was like, okay, I guess we're going to try this. And, like, I just didn't know what it would look after it kind of – maybe the adrenaline wore off in the second quarter, third quarter. I thought he looked pretty normal. Like, you, you couldn't tell that he was playing with an injured shoulder. Um, there was one play, I think, in the second quarter – where Bradley was open pretty deep on like a broken play, and Morton was scrambling, and looked like he wanted to throw it, and he probably could normally, but he like thought better of it and he scrambled for like one or two yards and just went out of bounds. But that was like the only play where I was like, I think that, yeah, I think his shoulder impacted his decision on that one. But besides that, you you really wouldn't have been able to tell.
1: Jets going into uh, score. Zach Wilson ties the game. With the two point conversion, I think. Not good. Uh, let's see. Moving on, the Donovan Smith show continues here in the first half. This time, a drive ending on the sixth play with a 49 yard touchdown to Joseph Manjack, the fourth. Uh, this goes back to Big 12 media days where somebody asked Dana, hey, you know, your receiver's all left, your running back left to colorado who do you have are you worried about it and he's like no we got guys like man jack coming back and you and i looked at each other like man, like man jack come on uh but he looked pretty good on this uh route going over the middle and then again a bunch of space uh to get the touchdown kind of a busted coverage there's a linebacker back there it looked like he was passing off to the safety the safety cave down uh he's wide open all the way across the field
0: yeah, he's a good player. He had a big catch either at the end of the fourth quarter or in overtime when they beat UTSA last year, and uh, he had a good game. That that was one of the only that was one of the only plays that I felt like we had a busted assignment. The rest, I think, was mostly just good execution by Houston or, or bad tackling by us. Um, but yeah, it was just like you're off to a great start here with the kick return, with the first drive, with more but, like, none of it matters, and you're still trailing at this point. And then the offense comes back with another 13-play, 75-yard drive. They take up five minutes of clock. Um, You run it four times with Tosh throughout the drive. No, that's just to get you down there, Five, six, seven, seven carries total between Brooks and Valdez. And uh, this was the back shoulder to more or to fungi. And I just thought it was clutch because like the way Houston's offense was humming, you needed to match them. Like you're in danger. Like if the offense isn't clicking early, you're in danger of falling down by seven, 14, maybe 21 at home. And like, that's a tough spot to come back from where you're not going to be able to run the ball and go at whatever speed you want on offense. So the fact that the offense kind of, As a team, Tech got hit in the mouth a couple times by Houston out of the gates, and every time the Tech offense came back and responded really well, I thought. Um, So, Given all the context around it, you're playing with a backup quarterback, an injured quarterback, uh, I was just super impressed by it. thought it was really clutch.
1: That throw to Fungie, I commented at the time, who else is throwing that as a Red Raider in the last five years? Double-covered, back-shoulder, perfect place like who has the guts to throw that ball over the last couple of quarterbacks you've had
0: i don't know i i um after his first start against oklahoma state last year i marveled at some of the throws morton made like on the run under pressure looking off the safety and then dropping a dime to bradley on the very first drive of that game but that back shoulder throw is something that appears really natural to him and I've seen a lot of quarterbacks and receivers struggle with like the chemistry, the timing on that. He had a couple to Koy Aiken. One of them wasn't a very good throw, but it was it was at least away from the defender. It was either an incomplete pass or Aiken was going to have a shot at it. Then the other one I thought Aiken dropped. Fungy takes that one for a touchdown. So th- that's like clearly a throw that he's comfortable making and can make at a high percentage.
1: And that opens up this offense because it's not just a go route now; it's a, an option route. Because if you have the chemistry down there, you can break it off and throw it back shoulder.
0: For sure. With two guys that – not a knock on them, but, like, if you ask me who our primary receivers are, I would probably say at this point in the season it would be Bradley, Miles Price. So, Fungie and Aiken. the fact that they're getting those kinds of throws, uh, I guess is probably an indicator that, like, he'll he'll throw that to anybody as long as they're open and and the defensive look, he's getting calls for it. And if he can – Get it on target to those guys. I don't know. Makes you think there's a lot of potential there with some of his other targets too.
1: And going back to the spring game, it seems like Varren Morton and Luke Fungi have some chemistry. With some maybe some second reps last year, a lot of practice time together. Uh, looks like those two guys have some some chemistry. So something to something to note there. If you're doing some props or something in the next couple of weeks, maybe hammer some Luke Fungi props. Uh, speaking of Luke Fungy, on the next drive, he gets another touchdown with a blocked punt.
0: Yeah, you can see that coming. We obviously saw something on film. I think their punter is an Aussie with kind of a slow release. And we had three guys kind of right, right in his face. Um, I think if Fungi hadn't gotten there, McRae might have been able to. I think York got chipped at the very end. But I saw those three guys breaking free, and I was like, oh, shit, we're about to maybe block this. And it's perfect, like, sometimes even when you get there on time, you, like, tip it and it's basically like a bad punt or whatever. But to actually, like, block it backwards toward the end zone and be able to recover it, again, huge momentum swing when you finally get your defense off the field on third down. I guess prior to that you were, I don't know what, like 0 for 6 getting off the field on third down, something like that on Houston's first few drives. Maybe more than that. I don't know. Um, But, yeah, that was huge. Um credit to Kenny Perry, his special teams units. They had the kick return early. And in that pump block, I think they they saw something on film and exploited it really early is huge.
1: Uh I thought this was gonna be a, a momentum shifter. And I think it was in a lot of ways. But 75 yard drive next time out, nine plays, ending on a 41-yard uh go route that just blazed by, I believe. I'm not gonna say a name here because I don't. Was it was it Rayshon this time?
0: Yeah, I already said his name, so you can say it.
1: So it's Rayshon Williams who just got absolutely toasted on a go route, uh, like five yards. Maybe it was just. I, I don't know if he thought he had safety help. Uh, maybe that's another time where he just got blown by. Uh, but a really really well thrown ball, forty yards for a touchdown again.
0: Yeah, he got barbecued on that one. Unfortunately.
1: Uh, that brings Texas Tech back out with about two and a half minutes to two minutes and 10 seconds left uh and they score in eight plays and it's a Taj Brooks 15 yard run Taj Brooks run 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 there at the end once you get down to the goal line
0: can't believe you missed that alley-oop I just tried to toss you oh what'd you say I said Rashad Williams got barbecued on that play
1: <laughs> he did speaking of barbecue <laughs> Uh, barbecue, you can uh, go to Olton, Texas and get you some barbecue. Uh, if you want to go on a Sunday, you can they have the barbecue market open. Uh, I think 11 to six, maybe on Sundays, whatever it is in the afternoons, you can go down to the Reino barbecue market. If you want to go to the restaurant, you can do that too. They got some black plate specials. Uh, they do nearly every day. They had some, uh, Oh, what was it? A Texas Reino Philly cheesesteak last week. Maybe a brisket Philly there. That looked really outstanding. They do different stuff. So it's not just like you have to go down and spend $50 on a plate of barbecue. Uh, You can get some specials and eat really well at bbq.com RahinoBBQ.com, bbq BBQ on socials. You can follow them there, see where they are. They're still traveling around with the food truck, so you can get them there as well.
0: Yeah, that long pass to Xavier White on this drive you're talking about. I thought we set that up really nicely. They gave a look. We had trips up top there, and they gave a look like they were going to go downfield and block for a bubble screen. And then they just broke it off kind of like a shallow post route or cross route. And timing was great. Morton put it on him. Like Great throw over the middle. That's something that I know our fans have griped about is that we don't use the middle of the field. And then we get a bunch of yaks, which is also something we've been really bad at this year. And I don't know if that's because of play design, bad luck bad ball placement from the quarterbacks, but we have not really set up the receivers to run after the catch. And we finally got some yaks on that play. First and goal inside the five, you run Taj four times in a row. Love that. I think if you're willing to commit to that on first down, just say we're going to run it four times, see if they can stop us. I'm all for it. Um, I only have one gripe about that sequence. There was about 50 seconds left. I think on second down, Taj's helmet comes off. And so by rule, he has to leave the game for a, a, for one play before he can return. It's a safety rule. Or you can call timeout and he can stay in the game. With like 30-something seconds on the play clock inside one minute on the game clock, I think there's like 50 seconds left, we burn the timeout. I was like, why not let it run down to – 20-something seconds. Like, you know you're basically going to run two plays here, and then it's going to be halftime whether you score or not.
1: I think Houston called that timeout.
0: No, we called the first one so that Tosh could stay in. And then we ran it for one yard, and then Dana called timeout. And now there's like 45 seconds left. We're going to run one more play. And then because of that, Houston gets all the way back down to the field goal range. Wound up not mattering because they missed the field goal, but I was like, that – And, you know, if you want to bleed the clock a few seconds to see if Houston's going to use a timeout, then do that. But you let them keep one more in their pocket, and they used it to their advantage by getting into field goal range. So I don't know why we made that uh, time management decision. Wound up not mattering, but at the time, I was kind of pissed off about that.
1: We have a question about Rojino Barbecue. What's the difference between the market and the regular restaurant? The market is open seven days a week. It's in the same building. But the market is like a little grocery store with some pre-made foods, a couple of vegetables, some seasonings, like a, a little place if you want to go out there and just kind of shop around, really for the locals. Uh, but you can certainly take some barbecue home with you if you go. And then the regular restaurant's the regular restaurant. His helmet came off at least twice that I remember what's up with that. Some guys' helmets just uh, pop off. I, I don't understand it either. It's just how they wear their chin strap or their hairdo for the game, whatever it is, uh, helmets helmets pop off sometimes.
0: Did you see the video that I posted on Twitter of Taj Brooks pancaking that guy?
1: Yes, and I saw it live and went absolutely bananas.
0: So did I. Me, me and Jackson both saw it live. and uh, I didn't notice it at the time, but uh, I looked after when I saw it on the rewatch just to see, like, okay, who's this guy that he knocked over? it's actually Houston's best defensive player, Nelson Caesar. He's on, he's on the Phil Steele preseason, all big 12 team. He was on, I think pro football Focus's preseason, all big 12 team. He's like a 250 pound defensive end team captain, like not some schmuck. And I know like it's two on one. He's already being held up a little bit by Rogers when Brooks comes in, but that's still an impressive kind of chip block by the running back there. And Toss is just like unmoved. he knocks this guy on his rear end and then goes out into the flats for his check down route and he had some other really good blitz pickups they weren't pancakes or anything but like zero added pressure from the guy that he was responsible for in in pass pro um i remember one play against west virginia where the guy he was supposed to pick up in pass pro ultimately got through but besides that I mean, he's been i think nearly flawless in that respect so he's He's just a complete player. I know we've been harping on this run-the-ball stuff, and he's really good at that. But I think there's a reason why he's on the field nearly every snap, and it's because he can also do that in the pass game.
1: So you take a lead to halftime, 35-28, open up the second half. Uh, Punt on three plays, but Taj did run the ball. As you mentioned earlier, that's the only three and out of the day. Uh, You force a punt from Houston. And at this point, I'm thinking, all right, let's, you know, Let's have a game and say let's, cl- let's calm down in the second half. Uh, you need to calm down and just have a slow second half. A little too much for me. Uh, and then after the punt, a three-play, 80-yard touchdown. Uh, Taj Brooks runs it for three yards. Baron Morton for 11 yards for the touchdown. It uh, does not say – what was the big play on that drive?
0: I think that was Valdez's first – his like 54-yarder, and then he got horse-collared, so we got 15 more. That's right. I think that's how we got down. And like on the next play, we threw that corner out to Miles Price.
1: And a, another beautiful ball. As Ryan Leaf said over and over again, he has the air raid uh, throw that he can do. It's the quintessential air raid throw.
0: But going back to talking about chemistry with specific receivers, that's the second time we've seen a very similar corner route to Miles Price. And both times Morton has put it where pretty much only his guy could get it. And both of them have been ruled touchdowns I, I think you and I agreed we didn't think the one against Charlton was actually a catch but it was convincing enough that they ruled it a catch that's good to see Miles Price he's, he's a guy that I guess he's in year four now with the program and I think has always been viewed as a guy with a lot of potential but he has some big games and it'll like disappear for a little bit if, if Morton being the full-time starter is what it takes for him to kind of reach his full potential and play at a high level consistently I think that's good news for everybody so it's good to see them connect again on a, on that same kind of route concept.
1: Uh, the next drive for Houston, eleven plays, and it comes down to a fourth and one, where they don't get under center and run Donovan Smith on the tush push. What are we doing? Oh, they're calling it the brotherly shove now out of Philly, but the tush push. How, how does six foot seven Donovan Smith not get under center there? Six foot seven, two sixty, whatever he is. He looked like a giant against Texas Tech the whole game. Why don't you just put him under center and push him?
0: When they were, like, about to, I thought that's what they were going to do. We were in, like, this – or they were in this kind of, like, sawed-off shotgun look where he was a a few yards behind the center but not the full five. And they had their receivers tied. I thought, okay, he's about to go under center and they're just going to push him. And then their receivers motion out and he gets in the gun. I was like, this is what, like, we normally do on fourth and one and I always hate it. And sure enough, then they run a handoff up the middle and we stuff it. It's like the fourth down play that everybody always complains about when we do it. Nice to see your opponent shoot themselves in the foot um, instead this time. But, yeah, that that play, I think you were up 14 at that point. But the game very much still in the balance, especially if they convert there. That that was a huge stop. That that was as close as Houston got to scoring all half. And so we've, I I think, rightfully ripped on – elements of the brand that haven't been upheld through four games. That's a pretty tough sequence. Like you you kind of get torched in the first half, things aren't going well. And then an opportunity presents itself for the defense to make a huge play um, in a spot where you haven't had a ton of success, like Donovan and the running back have both had a good game. And you prevent them from getting one yard to take away any semblance of momentum that Houston had, give the ball back to your offense. And at that point, felt like the game was in hand
1: uh to finish off the drive chart punt for texas tech after the turnover on downs punt for houston punt for tech punt for houston uh three and out there on their final drive before the final touchdown for texas tech the cameron valdez this is a uh this drive five plays 55 yards taj brooks for two baylor cup for four taj brooks for six Cameron Valdez for two, Cameron Valdez for 41. Uh, That effectively ices the game, 49-28 at that point. Uh, There's a couple of more drives, but at that point, you really felt like the game was over.
0: Yeah, and this is where I go back to not all punts are created equal. In the West Virginia game, I I don't even remember what the numbers were, but however many drives you had that lasted a minute and a half or less, two minutes and five seconds or less, Okay, things weren't going super well for you in the second half. I mean, you scored enough to win the game by 21, so no complaints. But, like, probably your worst couple drives a minute 57, a minute 35. But then you have the touchdown drive, and then you have a six play, 17 yard drive that still manages to eat up four and a half minutes of clock. And going back to the first half, you did have one really quick drive, but it's because you scored a touchdown. But before that, you know, five minute drives basically. Um, a pair of those. So it's good to just see you stay on the field a little more consistently. You probably still lost time of possession. I don't have that pulled up in front of me because of the blocked punt and the kick return that just kept Houston's offense on the field, Uh, but, but, like, not in a bad way at all. And so even with Morton's limitations, you know, he only threw 22 passes, but we didn't really need him to throw any more than that. Completed 14 of them that includes a drive where you had like three straight drops. So, I, like I said, I think he was, he was really accurate. And we didn't have any stupid play calling or just really bad, horrendous drives. You know, it was like we're running the ball early and often. We're giving Morton manageable play calls, and then he's reading and executing it really well. So I thought even like on the rare occasions that you did have to punt, especially in the second half, I wasn't just sitting there like frustrated, you know, thinking what are we doing here? Um, you know, you're not ever going to score on every drive, but I, I felt like we did a much better job of getting into a rhythm offensively, giving our defense a rest, at least flipping the field position a little bit. And I really, really hope we continue to see that balance going forward. I just can't say enough about how much that does for you.
1: And just to reiterate, I, I want to say how much I loved in the second half Snapping the ball with 10 seconds left, 5 seconds left, 14 seconds left. Just a, a, a beautiful showing. That's how you run an offense when you're up 14. You don't you do not go tempo when you're up 14. Now I felt even during the Tarleton game, I was getting frustrated because you were just going tempo the whole time. You could just calm down. Barron Morton looked really composed. Uh, there was a stat. Uh, I think it was Apodaca that put it out on Twitter today, if it wasn't, sorry. Uh, the PFF numbers, which I generally try to stay away from, but it was like 92% clean pockets on the dropbacks. Of course, you only had 22 dropbacks. Uh, and then you have like grading out in the 80s is Monroe Mills, like a really good day for him, according to the guy who watched the game and graded the film. So uh, really, really strong showing by the offensive line, I thought. And he had 200-yard rushers. Uh, and on Valdez's two big runs, he doesn't get touched until he's down the field.
0: Yeah, and even, again, the, the stuff rate against Taj, he uh, he had one where I think they dropped him for like a one-yard loss. I guess down in the goal line, you know, either stuff for no gain or maybe he got one yard. But he's so hard to bring down, and like even a play that looks like it's totally hopeless, he can find a way to get three yards out of it, which is it's not great by any stretch, but if those are some of your worst plays offensively, you know, three-yard carries. You know, you're probably doing pretty well. Only 14 completions for Morton, but again, didn't ask a ton from him, but seven different receivers caught a pass. So you imagine, like, if we did have one of these games where he's 38 for 55 or something, how many guys might get involved in the pass game? I was, I was thinking that. I was like, you know, Bradley didn't seem that involved. Like, fungi only had the one back shoulder, and, like, we never went back to him, but we just weren't throwing it very much at all. And, again, didn't need to. It was working just fine without it. Last thing I think I'll say on Morton, the – the quick stuff to the sideline seems to work better with him. I think he gets it out of his hand faster. He puts more velocity on it. And a split second there kind of makes a difference on how long the receiver can hold their block for, how long a certain window is open. And it, it just seems to work better. I don't have the data to back that up, but until my eyes tell me.
1: Yeah, that's one of those eye tests that seems pretty obvious. Got
0: All a right. comment. Uh, lack of penalties. I think you only had one penalty for five yards. Is that right?
1: I believe
0: so. Yeah. Super clean game.
1: Uh, did you, well, let's finish this game. Any final thoughts on this game?
0: Um, no, I think we covered it.
1: All right. Did you go back and, uh, look at the big 12 games uh, that we talked about in the after dark brought to you by a Barna waves.
0: I guess my final thoughts on the defense real quick. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. Ben Roberts, another game with double-digit tackles. Mike Dingle, four tackles, including one for loss. And uh, Chapman Lewis was kind of thrust into action because Rabbit left with back tightness. So good to see the young guys out there making some plays. Um, I really wish our pass rush was a little bit better, but besides that, no real complaints and – Have a lot of respect and admiration for the freshmen that are out there right now and doing a pretty good job.
1: Yeah, and I thought Dingle played. I mean, he played a bunch of snaps and he played pretty well. I mean, he obviously looked like a freshman in a couple snaps, but um, yeah, I'll echo that.
0: He introduced himself on the Jumbotron as Mike Dingle. So that's what I'm going to call him from now on.
1: Fair enough. Old Dingle Bengal. All right, did you go back and look at that Baylor game?
0: No, I still haven't.
1: I'm just going to go through the fourth quarter here. Uh, Down 35-10. Interception at the end of the third. Baylor touchdown. Four-play punt drive, UCF. Baylor touchdown in five plays. Baylor scoop and score. UCF punt. Baylor field goal, 36-35. Missed field goal, 36-35 final. Just a wild pick, scoop and score, uh, three and outs, just a ridiculous collapse from Gus Malzahn and UCF over the weekend.
0: Yeah, I mentioned it on Gouche's After Dark. The newcomers still have yet to beat a legacy Big 12 school. Um, Let's look at opening lines and – Maybe it's due to happen this week. Let's do it. Do you have opening lines?
1: I have them. Uh, You have Kansas State at Oklahoma State. uh, Minus 12, Kansas State.
0: Oh, that's a lot.
1: That is a big line.
0: I think we both guessed around a touchdown on After Dark.
1: Yeah, I thought it might get up to 10, but 12 is twelve is really big. That's a big number. Interesting. Uh, let's see. Let's skip the Texas Tech game for now. Uh, Oklahoma at Texas. Well, it's the Red, the Red River Rivalry shootout showdown. Uh, Texas minus five.
0: Okay. Nailed that one.
1: Texas minus five. Uh, UCF Kansas in Lawrence. Kansas minus three.
0: I think I said two on after dark.
1: And that is the only newcomer versus legacy game this weekend.
0: Wonder what UCF's mindset is like right now. Two kind of tough losses. Kansas State game that they can't stay pulled away, but UCF was certainly in it in the third quarter at least. And I wonder if they get Plumley back this week. I haven't heard anything or, or read anything on that.
1: And then if Jalen Daniels is going to play or not.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's the other.
1: I a couple of times, uh, TCU Iowa State TCU minus five and a half.
0: I don't remember what we guessed on after dark for that one.
1: I think around there. I think TCU. We figured they would get the credit there, even. Yeah,
0: in- Iowa State is weird to me right now because I do think they've kind of figured some stuff out on offense where they're not totally putrid like they were through three games. But at the same time, their defense all of a sudden, like after not giving up more than 10 to anybody, now they they gave up like 27 to a bad Oklahoma State team and gave up a 50-burger to OU. So I, I have no clue what to really make of them or that, that spread. I guess I'll think about it and have a pick by Wednesday. And then uh, Texas
1: Tech, Baylor, Baylor minus one. Interesting. That is a little bit interesting to me. I thought Texas Tech would still get the favor there.
0: I thought so, too. I wonder, wonder what the line would be had the second half of that game in Orlando just kind of gone on a somewhat normal trajectory, and they lose that game, even if it wasn't a total blowout. But if they lose that game by what they were – like what the spread was, if they lost by 13 or 10. Maybe it's the shape and effect. Maybe the odds maker's – Thought he looked really good and think he makes a huge difference.
1: Yeah, maybe so. He, he did make a big difference in the second half. I thought he had a really good second half. Um, didn't look good in the first half, though. Uh, he even ran one in and looked like he was pretty hobbled running it in, but he did it. Uh, this from Nathan Rocco. Becht is the most Iowa State sounding quarterback name ever.
0: So on FPI, still gives you a two thirds shot to beat Baylor.
1: But the Caesars line is minus one.
0: Yeah, and it would usually be Tech minus four ish in this neighborhood.
1: So Hammer Texas Tech plus one. Is that what you're saying?
0: Like Tech minus three or minus four would be about normal with this FPI. I mean, hey, there are disparities, and, uh, yeah, I don't know.
1: All right. Uh, One more thing on the Tech game. This is a comment. Can we discuss Rusty's stats snaps? They're still rolling on the ground. He had a couple of bad ones. If you want to put Tasha Brooks in the game as the Wildcat, snap the ball in his chest. That's my one thing. He snapped it at his feet. Just hand
0: it to him. yeah why do you have to get cute or gimmicky at all with it?
1: The, oh the when, di- when they when they ran uh, Xavier white in the backfield and handed it off to him that that was the one play call I was like that's so stupid.
0: I remarked on that when it happened too I just
1: and then they went, to start the game they went empty and moved Taj into the backfield and then handed it off to him and it was like, all right, just just start it there like that's not doing anything.
0: Yeah, it doesn't have to be that that difficult. I'm going to pull up this updated uh, yards per carry stuff. Give me one second.
1: While you do that, I'm going to talk about fishing. Reckham Outdoors is the place to be. It's all West Texas, but if you're on the the coast of Texas, the ghost in October, Uh, if you're on the coast of Texas and you want to go do a little wade fishing in legendary Baffin Bay, you can do so. Go on down to Wreck'Em Outdoors. Find them online, Recommountdoors.com or on Instagram at Wreck'Em Outdoors and find some picks of fish, uh, beautiful, beautiful fish they catch. You can catch them too with the help of Wreck'Em Outdoors. Captain Preston Long doing the hard work to guide you out into the waters of legendary Baffin Bay. You got those numbers, go?
0: Yeah. I've got some bad news. Taj Brooks has fallen all the way to 20th nationally in yards per carry.
1: Oh, man.
0: Among – so this is minimum 30 carries. He's 20th nationally. But I'm only seeing two guys ahead of him. Yeah, there's an 85 total carries. Jonathan Brooks at Texas, he's 11th nationally. And Aldrich Estimate from Notre Dame has 95 carries. They're both hovering right around seven yards per carry. And Tosh is at 6.2. But some of these other guys on the list, like just looking up and down real quick, 37 carries, 41, 44, 42, 52, 50, 42, 50, which I'm not trying to minimize it, but there's always a question of, like, can you maintain that average at volume? Most of these are power five guys. There's a kid from Toledo, North Texas, um, SMU, Florida Atlantic. But you still have a absolute legit running back. I wonder what Valdez – I wonder how close he is to qualifying on this list because his yards per carry has got to be kind of insane right now.
1: He has like 10 carries on the, on the year, though.
0: I guess he didn't get any against Oregon or West Virginia, right?
1: Because he missed the Oregon game and then maybe one carry against West Virginia. I could find that pretty easily.
0: Let me pull him up real quick. I've got it. You got it? Yeah.
1: Because he uh, he averaged, what, nearly 20 against Houston?
0: Yeah, he had 21.
1: 21? Over 20?
0: Is that right? Yeah, five carries for 106 mm-hmm. yards, 21. Uh, so, on the season, he's 11 carries for 126 yards, 11.5 average. And he, he had like a nine-yard per carry average last year. But, again, on such low volume, it, he didn't register anywhere. But for his career, I mean, if he's up to 25, 30 carries, he's probably sitting at like 10 yards per carry. So anyway, you can run the ball. That's that's my only point. You can do it really well. This is also what happens, by the way, when instead of running the quarterback 15 times, the only designed quarterback we had was a quarterback sneak on third and one or fourth and one. The rest was Morton taking what he could get when the play broke down. When you give those extra carries to Taj and Valdez, you have a much higher ceiling with what you can do on those carries than running quarterback power.
1: Yep. All right, ready for the matter of transit mailbag? Yes. Let's do it. <laughs>
0: Got mail. Melt-a. 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 Mail time.
1: The mail's here.
0: I found these in my mailbag. Well, It's time to reach into the old mailbag here. Enjoy reading the fan mail. Don't read it all at once. Any mail for me?
1: You don't have a tic tac, do you? Did I get any mail? No.
0: Why not, honey?
1: Uh, this off the YouTube comment section. If you're listening live on the Republic of Football. Feed. you can also watch us on youtube youtube.com slash at gambling gauchos if you're watching live hammer that like button hit that subscribe button we love it when you do a big 12 question if we want ut and ou out of the big 12 championship do we want ou to win the red river rivalry shootout showdown based on the fact they have an easy schedule
0: i don't know i think the winner of that game is almost certainly in so, I don't think there's a scenario where you can keep both of them out. Yeah. But, yeah, I think Texas is probably more likely to lose after because of that schedule. So, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's what you're – I think you would root for you to win this weekend. They're going to make it, and then you hope Texas loses a second game and that somebody else at 7-2 and two gets in ahead of them.
1: Uh, That was from before the game? Uh, Over, under, three and a half sacks the rest of the season for Steve Linton. Under. I mean, so far, yeah. You talked about maybe some regression to the mean with the pass rush with them facing such good offensive lines so far, but, I mean, you're also going to start playing some running teams. So, we'll see. Uh, Who are your top three teams in the country, and in what order would you put Oregon, Wyoming, West Virginia?
0: My top three – like, the wording is so vague there.
1: I think he's leading you to say that the three best teams in the country are Oregon, Wyoming, and West Virginia.
0: Wouldn't say that. Like, there's always the question, like, are we talking about best team or most deserving team, like team with the best resume? Yeah. Let's I think
1: – Start, bench, cut, Oregon, Wyoming, West Virginia.
0: Um, start, Oregon – Bench West Virginia cut Wyoming.
1: I would agree. Uh, Are you trusting the climb now?
0: Not quite, but I am impressed with what they've done through five games.
1: Agreed. I I am impressed, but I I still see the Neil Brown cracks shining through.
0: I'll ask you this, Rob, variation on the last couple questions. Of the three losses, if you could turn one of them into a win retroactively, which one would you choose?
1: West Virginia. The big
0: 12 game. I see arguments for all three. Like Oregon would have been the biggest win. West Virginia is, of course, the only conference opponent. And then Wyoming is the most embarrassing loss. And so you – Yeah. I probably agree with you, though, because I'd, I'd be like, yeah, we, could, we have a shot to get to 3-0. and Like based on the spread of the game, we have a coin flip chance to get to 3-0 and here. And then we go back home. So I'd be tempted to take that one as well.
1: Is it too early to start talking about West Virginia appearing in the Big 12 championship game? Yes. Yes. Though they're top five in the league. In what? Just overall. I think they're a top five team in the league right now. Uh, Record-wise, they're top three.
0: You don't think I could find five teams that would be favored against West Virginia on a neutral field?
1: In the Big Twelve, I think you can find five.
0: I mean, we were favored at their place a week ago.
1: Yeah. So it's really hard to trust in the client.
0: Texas OU. Sure. No, I think that they
1: like. Are you saying Kansas? Kansas State, TCU. They just beat TCU.
0: I know, and they beat us as well. I just don't. Yeah. I think if we lined it up again on Saturday, we'd probably be favored if the game were in Kansas City or Memphis or somewhere halfway.
1: Maybe. Um, is this the weekend that Texas Tech's road woes begin to change for the better? I sure hope yeah. so. Can I piggyback this question? Sure. Is this a Super Bowl game for Texas Tech because of last year? Should it be?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, the Super Bowl wording is is funny. But, yeah, like, this is Joey's former employer. It's where a lot of the assistants came from. They beat you worse than anybody beat you last year on your home turf while you're trying to honor Patrick Mahomes.
1: They just straight up embarrassed you.
0: There should be something extra. I mean, Like, obviously, you, you want to win every game no matter what, and – it's already a conference game. It's already an in-state rivalry game. But, yeah, there should be some extra juice there.
1: Uh, are we a good run-blocking line? I think so. Will we commit to running the ball this season?
0: I, I actually do think so. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe this. Maybe we are at risk of this being a one-off. But I think it was clear what needed to be done before the U of H game and then put into practice. It worked really well. I think even if it's not Zach Kidley's natural inclination, hopefully he has people like Joey saying, this is going to be part of our game plan. We're going to have to be more balanced.
1: Uh, Which is more surprising to you, West Virginia beating TCU or Baylor's crazy comeback?
0: Definitely Baylor's crazy comeback.
1: Definitely Baylor's crazy
0: comeback. I mean, Baylor started that game, I guess they were 12-point dogs, and then when the shape of news dropped, it moved to like eight and a half. But once they fell down by 25 in the second half, I don't know what the live spread or money line was, but that was way less likely. It, than... it, was, it was 35-7. Oh, really?
1: Yeah, they kicked a field goal to cut it to 25. Jeez. Uh, are we concerned about the defensive performance yesterday, or was it just a dog of in day?
0: I think like a small amount of concern is fair. Like I said, I don't think you were just confused and out of position a ton. Um, but, yeah, like you do have some young and inexperienced guys. Like I don't know what Rabbit's status is going to be. He's an incredibly important player on defense, both in terms of making plays and I think getting guys lined up, getting guys in the right spot. Hopefully you have reinforcements coming soon if Jacob Rodriguez comes back in the, in the coming weeks. Um like I think you have your limitations on defense the pass rush is clearly just not going to be an asset for you but I think you've got also got like a decently high floor on on defense so maybe slightly concerned but nothing drastically different than a week two three weeks ago
1: Agreed I think you I think you will be competitive defensively in the Big 12 Uh, I mean, you just gave up 28 in the first half, but then you gave up 28 in the whole game. You're competitive against West Virginia. You only gave up 20 points. So if you look at games and not halves, I think you had a pretty good game against West Virginia. I mean, if you took 28 points a game in Big 12 play, you would say, man, that's not quite what we were hoping. You want to go under that. But right now you're at 24 points per game in Big 12 play. And I think I would take that. The rest of the season.
0: Yeah, you have played some not great offenses so far. Sure. But there's also not just a ton of great offenses on your schedule. Like, I think they've all got their own limitations, too. I think Texas is like pretty clearly the best offense. But, like, in between now and then, you know, like BYU has some efficiency issues on offense. Um, in Kansas State even, like they're not – they're still winning games. They only dropped that close one to Mizzou, but like on paper, they're they're not terribly efficient offensively. So, anyway, yeah, I don't know.
1: Uh, question for Rob, does okra go in gumbo? I don't put okra in my gumbo, but if you want it in yours, you can certainly put it in there. I feel like it's a little slimy in that uh, iteration. Describe your perfect sack lunch and we'll end it on this one.
0: It's a weird question.
1: <laughs> it's the mailbag, man.
0: Um, I guess there's like a good sandwich and a bag of chips.
1: What kind of chips?
0: Salt and vinegar. I like
1: a good salt and vinegar. I like a jalapeno kettle cooked. Then you put those on the sandwich. What kind of sandwich are you going? Turkey?
0: Probably so. Salt and vinegar is a good sandwich chip.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, drink?
0: Maybe a bottle of Yoo-Hoo.
1: <laughs> Yoo-Hoo. A little chalky milk with the uh, sandwich and salt and vinegar chips. Did you see uh, Irrational put the uh, chili dog with slaw and a chocolate milk lunch?
0: Yeah, no cap. That looked really gross.
1: Would you would you drink chocolate milk with a chili dog? No, no, I don't think I would either. I'm not a big chocolate milk guy to begin with, but
0: um, getting to know the gauchos back in middle school. Things like which cafeteria table you sat at during lunch was like a really important thing sure. in my day to day life. And it was just the kind of situation, however many seats were available at the table, our friend group was a little bit bigger. So like somebody was going to be the odd man out. So if you were a moron, what you would do when the bell rang right before lunch is you would sprint to your locker, unlock it, get your lunch out and then sprint to the cafeteria. If you're smart like me, you ask the teacher if you can go to the restroom about 10 minutes before class is out, you go to your locker you move your sack lunch into different pockets of your cargo shorts like sandwich on one side chips on the other and that way when class is out you skip your locker straight to the cafeteria and you always have your seat so often, i was gaming the system
1: how often did you do that every day every day you'd go to the bathroom right before lunch
0: yeah i would either stuff it in my uh shorts pockets or like just set the lunch out, like, on top of somebody's locker in the hallway so I could just, like, grab it and go.
1: Nice. In uh, sixth grade, I moved a block away from school, so I just walked home for lunch after that. Oh, nice. Yeah, It's nice. nice. Uh, all right. Any final thoughts?
0: Everybody wants to kill the bear. Nobody wants to hold the axe. That's your- open. Hoping- I'm hoping we have some guys that are ready to pick up the axe this week because we've got some bears to hunt.
1: LFG, man. LFG. That's all I got.
0: Did you see Barstool Houston saying that we throw batteries at opposing fans?
1: Yes. You got some thoughts on the uh, the lunch plan.
0: So it's obviously not believable on its face, but especially when one red team is playing another red team, you cannot identify a Houston fan from a tech fan until you're like right up close. You could see the logo on their hat or something. Right. It's just complete nonsense that we would be there like, here, let me pull this handful of batteries out of my back pocket and chunk them at you.
1: I guarantee you a barstool Houston guy was not even at the game.
0: No it is literally just something he's heard other people or seen other people tweet about. Yeah. And so he thought it was real and yeah. just that, that's how all of them lie about it. They just like assume they can get away with it. Cause like that Parker guy that covers OU, he was like, yeah, I just assumed like everybody understood that this is a thing that happened. I'm like, no, it doesn't, yeah. but you thought that. And so that's why it looks foolish when you claim that you're, that batteries are whizzing by your ear. Yeah. When we all know it didn't happen.
1: Whizzing. Uh, Poor snap hits Zach Wilson on his hands. Chiefs recover. Chiefs at the 50. 23-20. Six minutes remain.
0: Are we winning or losing? Winning. Okay.
1: For now. Brutal. Brutal. Kansas City's offensive line looks awful today. Uh, Any thoughts on the Rangers before we leave? I will have plenty of thoughts on the Rangers this coming week on the Rob Bro show starting tomorrow at noon. Do you want to give some?
0: I'm just ready for postseason baseball. Yeah. All my teams made it this year my twins, my rangers, my Orioles. Who else made it?
1: Your Braves.
0: No, they're not my Braves.
1: <laughs> You're not a front runner. I think
0: my Marlins just missed it. My Royals. We no, were I right-
1: think the Marlins. Do they clinch and get in the pool?
0: I have no idea. My Diamondbacks, they stink. My Royals were out in like June. Mathematically eliminated. Yeah, the Marlins clinched. My Mariners, they were kind of close.
1: Your Cubs did not make it.
0: Yeah, my Mets, they stink.
1: Your Rays made it.
0: My Rays. If they went back to Devil Rays branding with the – like black, purple, and yellow, and green, like rainbow. I would be all in. Third and
1: 22, Chiefs, six and a half minutes. Another holding call.
0: Do you want to know why I like the Marlins?
1: Why? Dontrell Willis?
0: I did like D-Train. Have you ever seen the Scott Stapp music video, Marlins Will Soar? Yeah. Creed front man.
1: Big Creed guy.
0: Turned me into a Marlins fan.
1: That's uh, Tyler Brandon, the commenter. He's a he's a big uh, Scott Stapp guy.
0: Good, I love Scott Stapp. Love Creed.
1: Uh, my dad's texting about the Chiefs. You want to hear a, a dad take? Yes. It's uh, on two different lines. Fire Taylor. He sucks. That's Juwan Taylor, the right tackle or left tackle. Oh, another holding call. No defensive holding. Mahomes. 25-yard rush. All right. We can close this out.
0: As fast as he needs to be.
1: As fast as he needs to be. There's another call, a penalty, though. But across the line of scrimmage, I don't know what they're going to call. My,
0: my A's missed it, too.
1: Yeah. Well, they- you just named half the teams.
0: They sing. Well, yeah, I'm a big MLB guy. You know, I, I like I have respect for a lot of the franchises. Of course you do. Did my Reds make it?
1: No, I don't believe so.
0: Uh My Phillies were in, right?
1: Uh Yes, I believe so.
0: But my Padres are not.
1: No, I don't think so. go pacheco the interior of this offensive line is so good the two tackles just suck
0: we should trade for a good tackle yeah like a second rounder or something
1: jonathan taylor (laughs) he can play left tackle
0: he can chip whoever the tackle is blocking like john like tosh brooks
1: they just need to get tosh brooks
0: Yeah, hey, keep the second-round draft pick and use it on Tosh Brooks. You don't need Jonathan Taylor.
1: Shotgun twice sweep. Uh, We're going to cut all this anyways. We were done five minutes ago.
0: Whatever. The people love it.
1: The people love it. All right,
0: you ready? Oh, oh, wait. Hey, one more final thought. Okay. I don't know if he's listening, but um, the guy sitting behind me at the game was clearly familiar with the podcast. He, like, mentioned you and – he made some other joke about, oh, it was when fungi caught the pass. He was like, he's like, hey, that looks like you in high school, right, Kyle? And I was like, it's like you. Uh, anyway, he works at Cardinals. He was like, yeah, all of us, him and his friends, he's like, we've all put in our time at Cardinals. Uh, so anyway, there's a somebody from the Cardinals Sports Center studio, so to speak, nice. there at, at the game with me. So That's that was funny. fun. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to come by our quarter zip soon, as soon as it's cold enough for me to do that.
1: Uh, Hopefully next game, next home game. Uh, Tyler says, can we just transition you guys to giving commentary on the Chiefs game? Kyle's not able to watch it right now, so we need to get him in the the living room. I got a TV in my studio.
0: And then we can wear the quarter zips to uh, Provo as well.
1: I I can't wait. Can't wait for that. That That's not holding, you goof. What a goof. A goofy goober. Travis Kelsey not on the field. Third and 20. Empty. Two tight ends, but Travis Kelsey's not on the field. What are we doing? What are we doing?
0: It's third and 20, but it feels like 22.
1: Another pick. (laughs) Oh, that's defensive pass interference. It's got to be. I got it. Feels like 22. You're an anti hero, Kyle.
0: Hey, did you know she's at the Chiefs game?
1: I did. I did know that. That was such a Tom Brady throw. <laughs> Throwing into triple coverage just to get the penalty. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's the greatest of all time, Patrick Mahomes. All right.
0: All right, that's it. Love y'all.